Welcome to another episode of the Dibbly Dobblers Cricket Podcast. As always, I'm your main host, Callum, and as always, I am joined by secondary host. Um, I don't know if I can actually call you producer and director after <laughs> our hiccup so far recording this episode, but I guess producer, director, dinner lady, um, master carpenter, shoveler, roller, <laughs> Groundsman. Yeah, I've been busy. I don't know if you can see you're the groundsman. There is a groundsman. Assistant groundsman. (laughs) Might be a bit upset. (laughs) But yeah, Andrew. Groundsman of my garden. Groundsman (laughs) of your garden. (laughs) Landscape gardener. (laughs) Done a bit of that as well, to be fair. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You didn't do any work during the day. Shh. Secret. Um, yeah, no, I'm not too bad. Um, it is ten past eleven it at is. night, not during the day. Yeah. So. Um, we have decided to start recording the podcast after we net because basically it was just taking up too much of our time, and our wives were unhappy with that fact. So uh, we thought we'll do it this way. Um, but yeah, it doesn't help when nets overruns by half an hour. We then get embroiled in League One playoffs or yep. something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so if one of us happens to nod off during the episode, I do apologise for that <laughs> fact. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think this is down. undoubtedly the latest we have recorded so far. I think so, yeah. It's a pretty late one. In an ideal world, I'd have gone home by now. So <laughs> um, yeah. 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 But one of the things that we did miss was me gloating about how well I performed at the weekend. Yeah, we're doing this again? Absolutely <laughs> we're doing it again. They need to hear it. They need to know. <laughs> Go on then, what were your figures? Four for ten, fifteen not out. What did we bowl them out for, Andrew? Nineteen. Nineteen. Nine. How many overs did you bowl? Zero. <sighs> what was your run scored? Oh, I d- didn't need to come in. You ah. you and the, the other opener did the trick. It's pretty much me, but anyway, don't want to go into that too much. <laughs> I mean, 15 of the, uh, of the 20, two wides. So. Any buys? No. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, shoulders were a bit sore on Sunday, <laughs> you know, that's like I say. It was a convincing victory. It was absolutely convincing. Anyway. But thankfully for our team of the week... Where I'm not allowed to be in it. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have had yourself at one oh, time. Absolutely. <laughs> Player of the week would have been nailed in. <laughs> Doesn't matter that you've got several people out there who have scored tons and big tons. and <sighs> yeah, Percentage of runs, though. <laughs> Mine was beating these people. Let me tell you that. Yeah, right. But yeah, so we put out on Twitter because we rescheduled our recording. Already the team of the week, so some yeah. people may have already seen this, but we're still going to go through it anyway for those people not on the Twitter sphere. Indeed. So who have we got, Andrew? So, well, we've got our ever-present at the top of the list. We've got three team of the week. This is our third, third team of the week, and uh, Craig Wallace has been in every single one of them. 82 runs this week, but an absolutely obscene strike rate. 34 balls for 82 runs. Yeah, he's going to score 100 off one ball by the end of the season. Yes. <laughs> just <laughs> he's just, yeah. Um, I think the boy's seeing it pretty well at the moment. I think so. Beach ball. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. indeed. Um, Ian Stonebridge of Fruki, 193 off 111 balls uh, against Dundee High. Bryce Carnegie uh, for... Was it 92? Yeah. Against Perth Duke. That came in the T20, didn't it? Yeah, so that was pretty good going. Yeah. I wasn't able to find out exactly how many balls Bryce got his 92 off, but given that the follow wicket, it was 139 for two, and Bryce made 92. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, that's probably about 40 balls or something-ish, I'd have thought. So it's going to be a healthy run rate on that one. Yeah. Uh, Or strike rate, sorry, not run rate. Strike great, indeed. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Walmerans of Stonywood Dice, 99 off 136 and 3 for 25 uh, from six overs against Arbroath. Uh, yeah, not the two wickets I gave him originally. Indeed. Stonywood Thanks for pointing that out, guys. Out. Indeed. Um, my eyesight's failing me for. Oh, I mean, it does Forrester's get a bit small. Um, yeah, so he scored 117 off 86 balls. And took three for twenty-eight off seven against Gordonians, um, and then scored one hundred and fifty-four not out 
in the Scottish Cup off 124 balls against Drumpelia. Unfortunately, the Drumpelia innings is missing, so I have no idea how he performed with the ball. Um, good chance he took some wickets there as well. Yeah. But if someone would like to put a scorecard up, I would actually know this information. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Usman Said uh, off Perth Ducat, 55 not out, uh, and 2 for 15 off 4 overs against Arbroath in the T20. Uh, and then 85 and... Two for eight. Two for eight of 4.3 against Forfarshire's second 11 um, on Saturday as well. So a solid week from Usman. Um, Brock Ditchman, this was a cup game, wasn't it? This, this was the Scottish Cup, yeah. yeah. So 70 off 77 and one for 30. Very economical figures there. Um with the ball and a, a very good innings. Oh, uh, and I mean, it was Stuart's the Campbell. only only real innings of note with the bat as well. Like, I mean, it was, I think the next guy was like 20 or 30 or something and everyone yeah. else was like single figures pretty much. So it was a big step up with the bat. Yeah. Uh, Michael Leesk of 4 for sure, 4 for 23 off 8 against Falkland and uh, 57 with the bat and 1 for 17 off 7 against Arbroath. Hayden Guest of Meagle, 4 for 14, off 3.5 against Arbroath 2s. Addy Hedge of Gordonians for 3 for 11, off 4 overs. Presumably that was a T20 performance. Yeah, that was in the North East T20 qualifier. AGSFP, what does that one stand for? Aberdeen Grammar School former pupils. And then finally, uh, Glenn Carnegie, 4 for 34 off 10 overs against Arbroath. There were some big performances that didn't make Team of the Week this week. Yeah, yeah we had uh, Kenny Reid for Aberdeenshire, had a ton. He wasn't that, didn't get him in. Yeah. Uh, Safian Sharif got a 90. Um, I think there was Ollie Patterson for... He got four for four. something. Yeah, was he four for thirty-four off seven? Wasn't he? Because he was the same figures as Glenn Carnegie, yeah. wasn't he? So it's pretty much the economy rate that got Glenn through, yeah. and probably a slight degree of the standard of the cricket as well was kind of yeah. taken into account. But um, Mohsen at Perth took it, had a good innings against Arbroath in the T20 as well. That was in consideration. Yeah, I think so. Robbie Wright took four for forty-five or something. There was a few, yeah. you know, things that probably another week would have been getting qualified, but it was a Heck of a week. There was a lot of games to there get was. through. So we so had yeah. um, T20s during the week last yep. week. Then there was the league stuff on Saturday and Scottish Cup on Sunday. So some of these guys played three games. Um, so yeah, there was there was a lot of cricket yeah, played last week. Th- thank God none of them had three things that they did it in because I don't know what font size that would have been in. <laughs> <laughs> My eyesight's pretty good and I was struggling. <laughs> uh, so, player of the week. I think really there was only one. Well, I think there was two that you oh, could no, consider. Oh no, yes, there was probably two. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair point. So, the one that probably just missed out um, was Ian Stonebridge with his 193 off 111. Most yes. weeks, that's probably getting you a Player of the Week award. I, I I would suggest so. But when you've got a player who's scored. 117 and 154 not out and taken three wickets plus probably more if we didn't have a missing scorecard. Yeah. Um, you can't really ignore that. So player of the week this week is Aberdeenshire's Diane Forrester um, who he's their overseas professional isn't he? And, or is he an amateur? Uh one of the two. Yeah, I think he's a professional. But yeah. yeah. The overseas player. But he has had a pretty strong start to to life at Aberdeenshire. He's been very impressive the first few weeks of the season. Definitely has stepped up to the plate. Um, and yeah, he's one of these that if Aberdeenshire don't go up next year, and oh, this year, for next year, it'd be the type of thing I would imagine there might be a couple of clubs playing a standard above who might be going mm, might fancy him as our overseas player next year yeah. so um or down south and things like that so yeah yeah no, fantastic start for him yeah um so what what league table we're going to look at first we're going to just start looking at league tables now yeah kind of i mean okay one of the first week was kind of rained off but um we'll go epl first um and yeah so we've kind of got a Cali region sandwich of Edinburgh clubs going on. 
in yeah. the EPL. So here's, here's the EPL table after most teams have played two games. The odd one have got three completed games. Um, it's just Watsonians and Stumel, the only yep. ones that have completed three. Um, but yeah, you've got Forfisher leading the way and Stonywood Dice in second. Uh, and then at the bottom, you've got Arbroath and Falkland, who unfortunately are the, the only two winless clubs in the EPL. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, Forfisher set in the early pace, obviously. Two wins from two, Stonywood two wins from two, and Heriots have two from two as well. Yep. I would suggest Forfisher have had a fairly easy start to the campaign. Um, they're probably actually quite unlucky that they aren't three from three. Um, yeah. They were going like a train against Stonywood Dice in week one, but the weather just got in ahead of them, and because they just... I mean, they, they weren't many runs away, but yeah, they they were on, they got like a hundred like ten overs or something mental. So, um, yeah. So, but they're while perhaps they look like they're way stronger just now. I think that will balance out over time because Heriots, yeah. you know, will play Stuart's Melville and Falkland as Fal- as Forfs have. So, you know, I think that will balance out, but. At the same time, it's impressive, you know, Craig Wallace ever present in our team of the week. Yeah. Um, and not involved in the Scotland stuff. This c- that could be a big factor for them. Um, you know, Heriots are going to lose a good few people to. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly how many they got in the squad, but there must be four or five of them. Yeah, um, Fourths only lose Leask. I think it is, yeah. It's only least that they're losing. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be quite settled throughout the season. So you, you'd fancy that they would be looking to try and, you know, get a good lead ahead of Heriots. Um, Heriots, of course, we they signed Neil Alexander. I think yep. it was Neil. Um, who I think, I'd, I can't remember if it was another podcast or, or just chats between ourselves, but I sort of said, don't understand how they how they can need to sign another seamer, but he took a six for on debut. So I mean, <laughs> clearly maybe Quite not going to <laughs> to miss the likes of Adrian Neil and and Co as much. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think we we'll see that that settle down over time. But yeah, I think unfortunately the two clubs from our region who are down the bottom currently isn't looking the most optimistic for them. Yeah, um, I think to be honest, they could be in a kind of direct fight between themselves. Um, Quite possibly. At the um, um, certainly, the, the the early indications. Yes, I think Stuart's Stuart's will end up. I think also falling back into that um, fight as well. Um, I think it, by all accounts, it really it was a bit of an upset when they knocked over Watsonians in week one. Mm-hmm. And were the early leaders? Yeah. Um but even if it's just for now, it's good to see a couple of clubs from our area are leading the way. Representing, yeah. Indeed. So let's have a look at the NEC as well. Um so again, most teams two completed games. Um Aberdeenshire have three completed games because they were able to beat the weather yep. um in the first game and they had beaten. I'm trying to see who else has it. It was Kinloch. Kinloch, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, in week one. Um, but Meagle, Aberdeenshire and Fruki sort of leading the way at the top. They've all got a 100% record. Yeah. And I think that's... I think their early indications will be, I think, that they will be the three to to go. And obviously, I mean, another league. But I think even before the season started... For me, I think Meagle and Fruki looked like the two strongest teams in the yep. league. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Aberdeen were right up there. Uh, the question, you know, and the thing is, they fairly comprehensively beat Gordonians, who I would have probably thought would likely have been in that North group the most likely challengers to be the best team in that yep. area. Um, the big one, I suppose, that could in that North group be for Strathmore. They've got their overseas player who's come in, yep. um, Tian Britz, 
and had a heck of a start in T20 against Perstukit through the week. Um, yeah, there was no result in that game. Um, no result. Off, but what but did he score? It was it 64 off 29 balls or something yeah, like that. A really so. brutal start. Um, so it looks like he could potentially be a massive player for them, which is what you hope when you bring a player in from overseas. Um, Absolutely. But obviously sometimes they take time to adjust to the conditions, but the fact he's been able to hit the ground running um, y- yep. and get off to a good start, you could see them getting in about the mix as well from the sort of north side of the the split that we've got going on in yeah, that league. Because if not, it kind of looks like Aberdeenshire could just have um, 10 victories from that area. Yeah, and with Meagle and Fruki having to play themselves that extra time, it um, puts them in a, a strong position. Yep, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, so obviously, again, time will tell a little bit, but I think down, I think down the bottom we're possibly already seeing... The kind of clubs I think you would expect to see down there. Um, yeah, I think Dundee High finished bottom last year. Um, I think the expectation is that they'll probably finish there again this year. Yeah, they've had they have had a tough start. Um, I mean, they've had Meagle and Fruki. Yeah. Uh, okay, they had to, they've not got a loss against Meagle, but the reality is that's where it was heading. Um, yeah. And they've. Cons- I suppose the thing is. They would expect to lose these games, but it was the magnitude of yeah. the defeats, yeah. or not defeat against Meagle, but would have been. Um, so, yeah, but I think time will tell, but yeah, I think we're already seeing the people you'd expect at the top and the bottom, to be honest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's uh, we will see how these goes as time goes on, but I think we're going to jump away from Scottish cricket for a little while. We are. We're going to talk England again. Um so England have announced their test match squad to face New Zealand. So it's the squad for the first two tests. They've named a 13. Oh, is it? I didn't actually appreciate that for the it first is, two tests. It is, it's for tests. the first two tests, yeah. 13-man oh. squad for the first two of three. Excellent. This makes me even more angry. <laughs> right, well, we run through Ben Stokes' first squad as England's test match captain. Let us do it. So... Um, Anderson and Broad return, I guess, is the highlight. Zach Crawley keeps his space despite not being able to buy a run in the county championship. Although he did score runs today, but he did after the squad was announced, he got sixty yeah. odd. Although by relatively to his other teammates, it's not that great. But yeah, I mean he's the third best top order batsman in the Kent top three. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, so we've got Anderson, Bearstow, Broad, Brook, Crawley, Folks, Leach, Lees, Overton, Matthew Potts, Ollie Pope, Potts. and Joe Root. So, um, kind of lots to discuss there, isn't that? Uh, Matty Potts, I was on that bandwagon way before the rest of you people on Twitter. Just putting that out there <laughs> right now. So there's evidence. Andrew, you can back me up on you this. You can. You were last summer you were talking up Matty Potts. Oh but so yeah. uh yeah. Um I just I, I don't get the squad, I've got to be honest. Um, Jack Leach keeps his place. Still no Matt Parkinson. You know what? Actually, compared to some of the things, I can probably live with that a little bit more. The the worst one in there is Zach Crawley. Yes. By a country mile. The reality is, I don't buy that Jack Leach is, a, is a going to be a long-term good test spinner. But he's, his numbers are actually pretty decent. Um, yeah. And see, there is at least understandable justification. Zach Crawley scored one ton, and it was on an absolute dead track. In the winter. But In the he winter, scored yeah, two yeah. tons, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, but, and aside from that, he's kind of not done massive amounts of other things. No, he looks like he's got some nice shots in him, and then he nicks off into the slip cord and then see you later. Ideal for an opener in England. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Even as... Um, Innings today. First ball, driven for four. Second ball, edged. Dropped just short of slip. And that's what you're going to get with him. And the problem is I don't think the scoring contribution that he's going to provide is g- 
going to balance that out. You know, you go back to somebody like a sort of Verinda Sevag type player. Yeah. And you had to accept, if you were an Indian captain or selector at that time, he was going to score low runs and get out in ways that were probably quite frustrating. But then all of a sudden he scored 200 runs in a day. Yeah. And you go, right, okay, but this is why we pick him. Because he puts the opposition on the back foot. Probably of England's top order options, yes, he's the most aggressive and free scoring of them. But I don't think you're ever going to see that from him. Yeah. You can also accept that from someone when... You can... uh, you can afford a p- to have a player like that when you've got a team set up around it that yep. is solid. Um, England don't have that. Their top order is very, very fragile and has been for the last few years. So you can't afford to have a player like that in there. Yep. You need two guys going out to open who are going to knuckle down and grind out and get to lunch on day one without losing a wicket, which is something that England time and time again have been incapable of doing. Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest, and I do, not that I want him anywhere near the squad. I'd have, I'd have had Dom Sibleyan ahead of Zach Crowley. Well, I think I know that you you don't want to see Sibleyan in England shirt. I absolutely don't. But I think, in fairness to Dom Sibley, his game does look markedly better than it was when he was dropped from the England side over the winter. Well, and if he proves, it, you know, everyone has to be given that opportunity to try and prove themselves yeah. again and you know in the end of the day Stuart Broad is in the squad and in the end of the day still having a fantastic career is somebody at points who has gone away yeah and worked on his game and and sorted things out so if he can sort things out fine I mean I don't think I think he still needs to evidence that more than what he has so far but I, I pick him because I don't want to see him in an England shirt certainly in this season I think he needs mm. to properly go away and prove it but I mean I just don't remotely see the justification behind Zach Crowley at yeah. all uh, you've got a list a, a big list of opening batters who have scored lots of runs so far in the county championship this yep. season um, now there's other things that need to be taken into consideration around that they are playing on roads um, <laughs> yeah, but he's still not scoring runs. But yeah, Crawley still isn't scoring those runs runs on the roads when his opposite number in Ben Compton is racking up century after century after century. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it, Compton probably should have been in consideration. Um, could have gone with Rory Barnes, that would have been better. Personally, I would have stuck with Hasib Hamid in the West Indies and think he'd have done all right there and would still be in the squad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I spoke about Hamid and said, you know, before the Ashes tour, he wasn't going to succeed because he doesn't his style doesn't suit it. Yeah, but I still, yeah, I think I'd have been happy enough to have seen Lee's and Hamid going out to open the baton, to yeah. be honest. But I think one of the biggest concerns about that is that Crawley is so obviously a concern point within that lineup. There's no other option. Yeah, there's no there's no other opener in that squad. Uh, you know, l- I mean, there's arguably not even, well, aside from a man who's not going to bat at three, there are only two top order players. And yeah. I mean, we'll get on to that in a second. But he has no pressure. Now, they may go with the argument of we're trying to back him here and say, these are your two games. But yeah, I just feel like I just hope that after he gets 7, 12, 4 and 6 in the four innings, that he actually gets dropped. I'll at least get a 20 or 30 odd because he'll <laughs> have flashed it through the slips <laughs> and stuff a few times. But it, yeah, I just don't get that at all. Um, so we've discussed the openers. Let's yep. move down to the next spot. And we have been told that Ollie Pope, who doesn't bat at three for his county has never batted at three for England is going to bat at three for England yeah um look I'll I don't want to be too hypocritical on this point because I have actually said I could see potentially Pope being an England number three I I think long term Ollie Pope is the answer at number three but he should not be thrown in there 
But he needs to go away and play domestic cricket at number three. Yes. Or or open. Uh, you know, he has to play in one of these spots yep. where he's facing that new ball. We've seen, and I actually just I think Pope's continued selection. I I still don't understand either because he just fails time and time again in the Test arena, and. I mean, the argument is that he is obscenely good in county cricket. On his, a road. His numbers are ridiculous. He, his average away from the Oval is still ridiculous, but he's never scored a century north of the River Thames. Yeah, but you've also got to, like, Graham Hick, Mark Rampakash, these guys had very good, dom- you know, very, very, very good domestic careers. Yeah, but and Pope's never numbers are even better than yes, that. Yes, they are. But the point is is that y- you can't... There are some people who just can't step up. Yeah. And at least if Dom Sibley was to come back in, okay, he's not coming in for the first two tests, but it would have appeared he's gone away, worked on something, and come b- kind of re-earned a spot, yeah. and then he's coming back. Pope's done nothing. Like, well, nothing that he wasn't doing before. Well, yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. Like, there's no change. He's failed so far. And, yeah, I mean, this is systematic of the whole, this whole squad. It's just like, we're going to try the same thing again. Yeah. But a different captain. It's kind of how it feels. It does. Because the other bizarre thing that Ollie Pope being included, so for anyone who's missed it, Joe Root is batting at four. I think everyone's probably happy enough with that. It's his best position. He's our best batsman. Or he's England's best batsman. Um, That's fine. But the fact that Harry Brooks there tells you that the next spot is probably the one that's up for grabs. Yes. And Johnny Bairstow was England's second best batsman in the last 12 months. Yes. So that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think Bearstow probably... Well, Bearstow doesn't have a great record at five. Um, and he's going to bat at five because Stokes is going to bat at six. Yeah. Personally, what I would do is you have got a batter there who bats at five for the county yeah. in Ben Folks. Y- yes. Put Folks at five. Put Bairstow at seven. I, no, I don't know if I like that, personally. But I can see where your point is coming from. There, There is also another argument to say that Bairstow has batted at three. He has, but he and hasn't. Pope scored, and Pope yeah. scored his runs there, uh, you know, in the middle order. Yeah. I think, though, that three... Three is a problem position for this side. I think that you could have a very solid four, five, six, and seven going root, folks, stokes, Bearstow. Yeah. I I I mean I personally think I, I'd be playing I would be playing Butler at five because of Butler. The fa- oh wow. Sorry, not Butler. <laughs> Bearstow. I would never be playing Butler. Butler should never play Red Ball. It is ha- twenty to midnight, so I'm gonna um and I'm just so used to for no reason. Butler getting picked ahead of Bearstow. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I would have him at five because I feel like he has earned his... Yeah. Once you move him down to seven, it becomes kind of not really a batsman position anymore. You're kind of mm. like... And I think he, aside from Joe, he's earned the right to kind of stay where he is. And yeah. okay, him and Stokes would swap in the order, which I don't mind. I have advocated for Stokes at six for a long time as well. So I have no issue with that. But I feel like Johnny Bairstow did enough in the last 12 months to actually earn the right to be the un- incumbent in the side. Whereas yeah. actually, I feel like some of the other incumbents that they've stuck around with don't have the right to that. And I think it would be pretty poor if Bairstow's Harry Brook, you know, another Yorkshire guy. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, fine, whatever. You know, propping up England as always. But I, he'll, I think he will be a fantastic test match player. I think he'll probably be a very good all-formats player. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't think it would be fair on Bearstow to drop him Yeah. at this point. Oh, I, yeah, I, I get the point. Um the one 
while, while we're still on the, the batter's side of the squad, the one player that is missing through injury rather than yep. anything else. And probably, well, they might come into the squad as well, actually, is Dan Lawrence. Yeah. Um, he's obviously missed a month or so um, through a hamstring injury. Um, he finished up on day one of the latest round of the county championships on 100 not out for yep. Essex against Lancashire. That's pretty um, easy to score runs against him. Like. Facing a test match level attack with Hassan Ali, Jimmy Anderson and the ever-omitted Matt Parkinson. Just putting that out there. It's <laughs> clearly not a test standard. Easy spinner, <laughs> pie trucker. Um, do you think if Lawrence does come back in, he'll challenge Pope for the number three spot? Well, I mean... I would have I would have probably given Lawrence the shot at three, and I can understand with if that you know with the way kind of the order was shaping up, yeah, I would have gone well. Fair enough, give Lawrence the chance. Um, and he has probably statistically been what a third best batter over the last twelve months. Yeah, or so. he's the only other one aside from Saki Mahmood with his forty nine that kind of made gives him an average of the last twelve months of fifty two. <laughs> um, he averaged just over a touch over 30 so he's the only other one in the last 12 months to broke with Root Bairstow yeah. uh, he's the only other one to broke 30 now only just because it's like 30.3 but yeah and he's somebody that I at least feel he's gonna grind he's kind of not gonna be stu- like he's gonna grind for you I feel like yeah. he's kind of you just get that air of he's got that fight in him which that's one of the big issues I have with Ollie Pope is I don't think he does. I think he likes to play his sexy shots, but it's like, aye, but you're like not doing it at the right time or you're just throwing your wicket away. Yes, and yeah. Especially at three, I'm like, that's not what you want. Yeah, absolutely. He needs, yeah, needs to knuckle down when he gets that chance. Um, right, bowlers. So Broad and Anderson return as they should never have been away in the first place. Yep. Um, do you know what? I think they'll both play the first test as well. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, which means you've probably got two from three um, with Jack Leach, Craig, Craig Overton, and Matty Potts. Yep. What are you doing? Um, what am I doing? Yeah, what are um, you doing? I'm admitting Craig Overton, but um, even though he probably actually out of the five bowlers I think is probably the most likely to play um, because I think the batting he will offer at eight well is probably what's it's cute. It's he's kind of a long tail isn't it if he's not all-rounder um, but y- you've still got to take 20 wickets in a test match yeah and I don't really want to see Anderson broad and Overton because New Zealand are a very good team yeah um, I think Matty Potts has to play. Yeah, and I actually think I saw something when I was well while we were watching the football that I think it was Rob Key himself has kind of come out and I didn't read the full thing, but there just seems to be this kind of buzz around him and it kind of it would be an odd buzz, especially to have been some of the words coming out of Rob Key's mouth himself, mm. for that to be there and him not to play. Yeah. Um and I think they're going to play Leach. So, I mean, I would... Just going to have to go with Leach at eight. Leach at eight. Leach at eight? I mean, he did open. As a night watchman. What? (laughs) Leach at eight gives me the absolute fear. He's a number... He he is still a number 11. He's possibly a number 10, but I get get your point. But um, I just... I still think you have to pick a team... You pick seven guys to score the runs. You do. And ultimately, they have to stand up and be counted. And England can't... It's fine if you've got Wokes available and whatever else, who or certainly at home, who yeah. offers you that genuine both. Or Sam Curran. Or, or a Sam Curran. Or, yeah. I think... I think, unfortunately, Craig Overton will forever be a very, very good county standard player and I'm just not sold that he's a test he's going to be that test option. Um but I also just don't like the idea of three seam bowlers 
who kind of do the same thing. Because Anderson Broad and over, they're all in that similar sort of yep. pace. They're all kind of, you know, English-style kind of bowler. I know Overton's a bit taller, but... Yeah, I mean, the issue is that the England seam bowling department is currently pretty much all on the treatment table at the moment. You've got Archer, Mahmood and Fisher have all been ruled out for the summer with lower back stress fractures. I mean, Archer should never be anywhere near the test team anyway, but... I know, but as someone who has been yeah. a regular player up yeah. to this yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Ollie Stone's injured, Mark Wood's injured, Chris Wokes is injured, Sam Curran is on his way back from injury, but has only bowled something like seven overs for Surrey. He's playing purely as a batsman at the moment. He bowled spin as well in his last game. He bowled some overs of seam. He, was, he thought he was Ollie Robinson. And another one who, yeah, well, that brings the bold spin. Apparently, bold left arm spin. I totally but missed that. There seems to be some suggestions or questions of whether he will actually properly ever be able to bowl again. I was hearing, but I don't know what truth there is in that. Wow. Um, but um, well, he needs to get himself over that mark and score that first turn, then, doesn't he? I mean, his competition's Jack Leach. He probably doesn't need to work that hard on his spin. <laughs> Yeah, another one ahead of Matt Parkinson. <laughs> um, but Ollie Robinson also has fitness, stroke, can't be asked attitude issues. issues yeah, right. so he bowled what an over at the start of the last championship game, and apparently had an upset stomach, so didn't bowl again in the first innings, and then bowled some spin in the second innings. Um, he is facing. The New Zealand side in a warm-up game this week. Yep. Um, for Sussex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got that right, didn't I? I yep. Did. yep. <laughs> the <laughs> Down new, myself. The, the New Zealanders. Is the what New Zealanders. Are. Yeah. New Zealand starts tomorrow, I think. I think so. Yeah. So that is an opportunity for him to go and get overs under his belt. Rob Key did say that's why he's not been picked because he hasn't bowled enough overs. Well, yeah, and that's fair enough. Um, I mean, Zach Crawley's not scored enough runs either, but he ho. Um, apparently that rule applies to some and not to others but um, but Crawley plays for Kent I know but Kent aren't they very good (laughs) yeah but Rob Key will in it well we'll not go on about him because he's (laughs) probably not going to be very good either (laughs) certainly wasn't as a commentator so um, yeah so what are you going for what is your 11 my 11 right well there's no options at the top. Yeah, I was going to say, but forget what we know is going to happen. If you had to pick 11 out of those 13, nobody's guaranteed. Ben Stokes ain't guaranteed to bat at six. Root's no guaranteed to bat at four. Put people wherever you want to put them. Right. Given that squad. Yep. Alex Lees. Yep. The only other player that I'm trusting to open the baton is Joe Root. Okay. Which is ridiculous. I mean, that's our life as an opener, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. but yeah, he yeah, hasn't yeah, been yeah. for a decade. No, so. no. <laughs> well, I mean, he has. He plays for England who have no top order. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, Lee's route, Bairstow at three. Uh, four. Is someone batting far too high? Ah, you could play Pope at four. Nah, I'm playing Brooke at four. Right. Because that one actually sort of makes more sense to me. Five Stokes. Six Pope. Right, okay. Then Folks. Um, and then... Yeah. Potts. Leach. Broad and Anderson. Yeah, I think I'd probably, to be honest, be going something about the same as that. Um, maybe swap Brook and Pope the other way around, but um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just and I think that that's your telltale right there, is that I just think that whatever's go- going on, uh, Brendan McCullen came out and talked about the style of the England Test team going forward and the approach and all these kind of things. 
It's like that's f- it, it was something like if Test cricket is ever going to survive, England has to be playing an attractive brand of cricket. Oh, here we go again. And I, after I sort of wiped my mouth from vomiting about that, um, I did think, but you've just picked the same people. Yeah. So, w- what? I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe he's given the guys a chance while he gets to grips with it and gets to really understand what he's got at his disposal. Um, the The overall thing for me is that it shows that there should be a selector in place. Absolutely. Um, and that to me, that's quite important now because of obviously, as well as Brendan McCollum coming in, kind of jumping off from the squad, but... Matthew Mott yep. has been appointed as the white ball coach um, for the England men's team. So he will pair up with Owen Morgan um, and he is the former New South Wales Australia women's Welsh I fire was, or was he due to be the Welsh fire coach? Yeah. I think he was due to be the Welsh fire coach. He was Glamorgan head coach yes. at one point as well. <laughs> Good county they were, Aye. Or, <laughs> or, or whatever. But um, yeah. But the problem we've got is there's two captains. Yeah. Captains is very split. Two coaches. Yeah. Very split. Um. Do yeah. I mean, there's just nothing kind of. Bri- Apparently, part of the reason that or that was liked about Mott was the fact that him and McCollum apparently have quite a good relationship. Yes. And that would seem to be key because they, they are going to have to work together. Yeah. But I just wonder, I know you've got Rob Key in place, but it just feels like who's kind of bridge, you know, like there's a lack of bridge building between the two. Yeah, I mean, Rob Key did say in his sit-down interview with NASA Hussein that that is his job to manage that. Yeah. So he sees himself as the mediator, which, I mean, he has, he's the one in overall control. So. But so yeah. should he be a selector then? No, because you come up with squads like this. Well, I know, but <laughs> like, yeah, but so then if... Should he be on a selection panel? Yeah, probably. But should he be the chief selector? No, there needs to be a chief selector appointed. Right. I I, I, I agree. I, th- I still think that there's a... I just worry that not enough county cricket's been seen. And this we've seen James Taylor yeah. in this role in the past, things like that, and... I mean, arguably, McCullough, between McCullum and Mott and Key, they should have enough time off, or certainly the two coaches, because they're only there for their respective formats. Um, do you see, just this is about a tangent as well, Ben Stokes, is he the next white ball captain as well? No. Joss Butler's the next white ball captain. But I don't think Joss Butler's a good captain. Joss Butler is the next white ball captain. He I probably just, is. I don't... I, I just don't think it's in any doubt that Josh Butler's the next white ball captain, to be honest. But do you not think he just seems a bit soft? Um, I don't know if he's soft. The, the, always, the thing said about Butler that you've have heard quite a few times is that he's a guy that doesn't say a lot, but when he does say something, the team listen to him. Now, how does that work as a captain where a captain needs to be quite charismatic and leader of the troops? I'm I'm not sure. But if you have an able sort of vice captain who can be that, so maybe Stokes works as the vice captain of the white ball team. I just think the problem I think my issue with doing that is if you're saying you're the red ball captain, the white ball vice captain, and you've got I think that just becomes a bit confused. I feel like if you either make Stokes the white ball captain after Morgan, or he isn't involved in the leadership of the white ball team at all, mm. I feel like it becomes too confusing if you do that. To me, because it's just yeah, it no, becomes I can understand co- that. I just think Josh Butler's next white ball captain. It just becomes the exact same situation as Joe Root as the Test captain, in that the only real leadership they've got is by leading by example. Yeah, and that only gets you so far. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that uh, I think Butler's got enough about him to. I think he at least deserves a shot. 
I don't buy that he's a leader whatsoever, but we'll see. That probably means England will absolutely appoint him as the captain. So. Well, I, th- I don't think, to be honest, there's, it's in any doubt. I I would quite happily put money on Josh Butler being the next white ball captain. We'll ensure that Andrew does that in between the next episodes. <laughs> anyway, we're going on a bit because it is approaching midnight and we still have to wrap up. So I think that probably wraps up our England conversation for the time being. It I'm does, yes. sure we will be back on to slag them off after they've been absolutely gubbed by the Kiwis. Yes, indeed. Am I allowed to call them Kiwis? I hope I am, because, I mean, I have, so there we go. Yeah. Um, well, I think that one's still allowed. Um, y- yeah, well, here's hoping. I got a bit panicked by the next graphic, that's why I paused, but it's fine. <laughs> I've realised what it is. Okay, so, moving on. Predictions. We have a prediction competition, and last week saw us actually change our prediction. Oh, they weren't like all the same. One was different. Yeah. Um. So, are you going to bring them up? I'm just going to bring them up on screen. Excellent. I got two wrong. You got one wrong. Well, yeah. We we well because five of them are the same. We got the same ones wrong. We yeah. So Migo beat our both. Ducat beat Forfarshire second eleven. Fruki hammered Dundee High School former pupils, and Aberdeenshire. Also hammered Gordonians. Yeah. This is jumping off on another tangent. I did see on Twitter that one of the grades teams called Gordonians Gordonians. And I was like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> but now, I, whenever I see Gordonians, I will think of the Gordonians. But anyway, I find that Cool funny. story, bro. I know, cheers. <laughs> Strathmore <laughs> lost to Huntley. Um, yeah, it was an upset. Well, it was. Of our predictions. I had sort of spoken about this at the start of the season that the big problem Huntley have is that they're just not half the time able to put out their strongest team. Yeah. And it was Jack Mitchell, their captain, who I believe in his first game of the year scored, the, he got a 60. Um, another one of these good performances which didn't make it the cup yeah. team of the week. Um, I think that kind of shows you that Huntley kind of have that potential banana skin up their sleeve completely depends what team they're going to put out and they actually got one of the right players out on the pitch so shows yeah. what they can do and then the glory to me can lock beat Stoney with die second 11 yeah so I got that one wrong um, so you got six points this week and I got five what's so what does that one? do to the scores well it was seven each last week so oh, you've got a 13-12 lead Absolutely. I hope you're happy with yourself. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Absolutely. Only happy when I'm beating you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on to this week. Fixtures for this week are Arbroath against Fruki, Dundee High School against Forfarshire, Perth Duca against Meagle, Aberdeenshire against Strathmore, Killock against Gordonians, and Huntley against Stonywood dice yep and yeah I we, we've made our picks I'm going to bring them up say, we've already done these we picks. have already done them and I'm looking at them and I'm going yeah I've, mm, uh, the more I think about it I'm not convinced but anyway, well you've done it it's I've done it. it's, it's on paper on. Yes. it is right so we've both gone for Fruki we've both gone for Forfs I think they're probably should be relatively straightforward victories Yes, I think um. I think so. Uh, we've both gone for Meagle to beat Duca. I do think Meagle will win, but at the same time, Duca are a decent side, um, and I could see them potentially upsetting the apple cart a little bit there. Yeah, and I mean um, they didn't get they put up a good fight against Fruki, um, and you know they are they've got home advantage. Um, although Duca is a good ground, so that will probably some of the Meagle players will be happy about playing on that ground as well, I would yeah. imagine. But they also they upset Arbroath in the T twenty. I know Arbroath had a slightly weaker side than yep. the normal, but they they did get a win over an EPL side in the T twenty during the week last week. Yeah, and I think it would be fair to say Duke are a club who have actually had players with decent talent for a number of years, just they've not kind of all gelled together at the same time. So yeah. 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 Potential banana skin, but we're both still back in Meagle. Yeah. Um, Aberdeenshire and Strathmore. Strathmore obviously defeated last week when we both backed them. 
Um, but um, as we mentioned earlier on, they have now got their, their overseas player in who hit the ground running in the T20s. Um, so while we've both gone for Aberdeenshire, who look to be the strongest of the six sort of North clubs, yep. um, I can see Strathmore giving them a good game. Particularly because, I mean, don't know a lot about Brits, but um, if he is going to add to their batting pr- primarily, may bowl as well, I don't know. But their bowling seems to have been all right this yeah. year. It's actually just they kind of lack the volume of runs. Like even when they beat Kinloch, it, was, it wasn't a high, high scoring affair or anything. So they've, they've kind of just lacked some runs. So if all of a sudden they've got a guy who's going to be hitting... 50s and the odd 100 here and there. Yeah. That probably is a big change for them. Yeah. But Aberdeen should have been on such good form. Yeah. Can't really. They've got two or three potential match winners in their side. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kilnock and Gordonians, we've gone, we've gone for Gordonians. Yeah, predicting them to bounce back after a fairly heavy defeat against Aberdeenshire. And then the split one. So I've gone for Stoney with Dice and you've gone for Huntley. Yep. In the last game. And this, I am denied about this one, and I'm still not convinced that I'm happy with the way I've gone. Um, but they, they, we've gone they, with that. They let you down last time as well. They did, I know. Oh, no. Why have I done it? Ah, oh, mate. <laughs> well, no luck. You've oh, done it now. No, I know. Anyway, and Joker I'm happy time. about that. Joker time. It is you my turn to pick first. And so I've gone for Fruki to beat Abroth. And I, well, it's probably not surprising given my earlier comment of those two games being the ones that are going to have uh, probably the most one-sided of the affairs. So I have gone for four for sure. Um, And if this works... It might work. Who knows? We'll try to do some magic on the... It's it's not working, Andrew. It's not working. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Oh, oh, there it is. Boom. There it is. Boom. The They're up. Oh, my word. There's a bit, we need to, well, aye, there's a bit of a delay. Yeah, you need to hit save earlier. <laughs> but then, I know, but I can't time it. Knowing my luck, I'd hit it and then we wouldn't have finished. Yeah. Especially me. I never say anything quickly. So. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, there are our week four predictions. Um, and I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So if you agree with our predictions, don't agree with them, think there's someone that we've got stupidly wrong in there. Do let us know. It's someone else should be in the leak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> and likewise, Team of the Week, let us yeah. know if you think somebody else deserved to be in Team of the Week um, or someone else should have been Player of the Week. Indeed, yeah. Do let us know on Twitter at DibDubPod or in the comments on YouTube. Um, and remember to like, share, review and subscribe. Um, and... Tell your pals, your ma, your da, all and their cats. Indeed. The more the merrier. It's all fun here on the Dibbly Dobblers Cricket Podcast. And we will speak to you again next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>